Amen. 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 Yes. Good morning, folks. We are glad that you are here. It's a beautiful day. How many of you got some rain, heard some raindrops? Yeah. How many of you got up in your skivvies and went outside and did a dance? Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, welcome to Aldersgate United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Gary Brooks, and along with Pastor Maria Penrod, we welcome you. We're sad that Pastor Daniel's not here, but he's in Germany attending the World Council of Churches. How good is that? And so if, if you have uh, him on as a Facebook friend, uh, uh, look him up on Facebook, and he's starting to post a few things about uh, that adventure. It's a wonderful opportunity for him, and we'll be hearing about it as time goes along. I hope you'll take note in your bulletin about things that are upcoming. We have some studies that are starting. Uh, there's information on the Welcome uh, Center for you. Um, everything you always wanted to know about United Methodism but was afraid to ask, that's a nice class. We're back to the basics, and that class will help you be back to the basics as well. There's also uh, a disciple uh, Bible study, uh, uh, one about grace, and it's, it's about financial peace. Anyway, take a look at them, and you might want to sign up for one. Uh, your life will be enriched by sharing with a small group. I do want to make mention that we have had a couple of deaths in the congregation, and uh, we mourn the passing of Marge Hoffman, and Bob Hoffman is her husband, so we wish him God's blessing and uh, Kathy Clayton is her daughter. Services uh, will be coming up on September the 9th. And then we also uh, want to keep in our prayers Don McNeely in the death of his wife, Mary McNeely. She passed away on Tuesday. And so uh, keep him and his family in your prayers. Okay, and I'm wearing my new clothes. I like to wear new clothes to church. This is, a, if I wear a t-shirt, I don't have to wear a tie. At least that's what I tell myself. But it's from CareFest yesterday, uh, formerly known as PedalFest, uh, a, a benefit for uh, HeartSpring. And it was fun to be able to be in that. I did the 50K bike ride, which is about 35 miles. And, but uh, here, listen to this. I was finishing up my 35 miles, and the 25K riders were finishing up coming from the other way, and we both turned to go back to Heart Springs. And this little feller just went zipping by me on a little old tiny bicycle, and there he goes. And I found out later it was Gavin Wall, one of our youth. And uh, he was pumped. He had raised over $500 as a young person. I, I just just so proud of him and so anyway um, that's something to celebrate all right oh no it's gotten really quiet all the more reason to stand and make a little noise let's stand and turn and greet one another in Christian love if you don't know someone ask their name and tell them yours
together in the call to worship. The light of a candle is enough to chase away the darkness. Burn bright in us, O oh God. Drops of water will bring a seed of life. Refresh us with your flowing love. One song can drive despair away. Sing your song of life in us and through us. May God's word of truth prevail and heal. Here in this place, may we be light to conceal our darkness, to love, to be refreshed and renewed. Hear a song to lift our spirits and know a word to bring peace and Let us now sing together to God be the glory.
Please join me in praying the invocation. O God of the nations, you manifested your love by sending your only Son into the world, that all might live through him. Pour out your Spirit on your church, that we may fulfill his command to preach the gospel everywhere. Send us forth as laborers into the harvest. Defend us in all dangers and temptations. Give us grace to bear faithful witness to the good news of the gospel. Endow us with zeal and love, that we may turn many to righteousness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I have an introduction that I'd like to make. Reverend Dr. Jim Godby, would you come up for a moment? I'd like to introduce you to the congregation. Sarah, you can come with him if you really want to. That's okay. All right. I understand. Yes. Uh, I want to introduce to you Reverend Jim Godby, Reverend Dr. Jim Godby. He is a clergy colleague of mine through the years, a pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and uh, he's been a pastor in our annual conference for a number of years, as well as a certified pastoral counselor. And so uh, we welcome you. He has uh, been approved by our administrative board to be uh, uh, an official ministry of Aldersgate Church. And so he'll be working out of uh, our office complex to help coordinate uh, support teams for clergy in our annual conference. I see you've got one going in Salina, Hayes, Dodge City, Wichita, which we'll meet here, by the way, and Hutchinson, and Topeka. Okay. And, um, and uh, there is information out on the welcome booth about this, but he is uh, the leader of the clergy and congregational care uh, in the annual conference. And so um, you, you're a retired clergy in the annual conference, I'm getting closer to that age, but I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Um, but I want to thank you for volunteering your time to uh, work out of our office and provide um, mental health resources for those who in the congregation would like someone to talk to. And so I wanted you to meet uh, Reverend Dr. Jim Godby. We welcome you with the love of Jesus Christ. All right. Yes. Now we welcome Heidi Bowen to the platform as she shares with us her witness. Good morning. I just wanted to say a few words um, about the song that I'm going to sing today. It became popular on the radio a few months ago, and it was about that same time that a, a very dear friend of mine told me that um, her breast cancer had come back and it had metastasized to different areas. Since then, she's been trying a new treatment and I'm happy to report that the tumors are shrinking and that things are improving. And of course, she's not out of the woods yet. And initially, when I first heard, I felt so helpless. But this song helped me remember that when things aren't looking so good, uh, that's when God invites us to pray. And he invites us to pray in Jesus' name.
and the ushers can come forward. Thank you. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrows, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings, every promise he's faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater, he is stronger, he's the God of possible. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, come believe it, come receive it. The power of the Spirit is now forever yours. Come believe it, come receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I pray for revival, a restoration of faith. I pray the dead would come alive in Jesus' name, in Jesus'
may be seated. If there's some young disciples that would like to come up and, and sit here with me, we're going to talk about some basics. Some basics. If you want to, come on up. not afraid of me. Yes, yes. Today we're talking about back to the basics. Probably when you go to school and you started school, did you have to do some basic things? Like did you have to do some review of things that you learned last year but forgot over the summer? A lot. A lot. <laughs> did that ever happen? Class was clueless. Your class was clueless? Did you <laughs> did you set them straight? Oh my, okay, and you got books, and now you have to read them, and it's always good to review because it's hard to keep everything in, in, in your mind, so that's what we're going to do today, and I hope you'll enjoy the sermon today because it's all about some of the basic things that we need to know. Um, yeah, so like if I make a hand motion like, what did I just make? Yeah, I just went. Okay, uh, let me do it again. A star? A. A. All right, now this is what a one-legged A looks like. You know what a one-legged A is? Yeah, I forgot the bottom of the E. And if you forget the bottom of the E, that makes it a F. See, these are basic things. And you had to learn the alphabet before you could learn to spell your names. Yeah. What? In preschool? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And sometimes I have to do the A E I O U, you know, figure it out. Okay, what if I go. You really ought to know this stuff. And that's exactly what I want you to think. When we get to the sermon, it's kind of, we really ought to know this stuff. Yeah. That uh, was the number 10. Yeah, it could be a backwards A. Yeah. yeah. I'm not doing too good. Well, <clears throat> why don't you listen to the sermon instead of this? But... In a minute, we're going to do the golden text of the Bible. Does anybody know what the golden text is? This is one of the most basic things about the Bible. If you don't remember anything else, I hope you will remember this. Okay, well, come up here. I'll show you. There's a Bible up here on the pulpit. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. This is a big Bible. It's up here. You always wonder what it, what it means. And if you look in John, this is the gospel according to John, and it's in Roman uh, numerals, so uh, I, I'm, I'm good until I get to five. And, uh, but the three is one, two, three. So John, three, and then we go to verse 16, and that is the golden text of the Bible. So if you don't remember anything else, I hope that you will remember that one. And it goes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Okay? Now, I'll say a phrase, and then you say it back with me, okay? For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. Okay, so in a little bit, we're going to read that as a part of the gospel lesson, and that's in John 3, 16, and that is often called the golden text. If you don't know anything else, learn that, and you will have the gospel in your heart. Lord, bless these young people and give them the gospel that will carry them through this life and into the next, and grant us wisdom to know the good news when we see it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, listen for that, and we'll repeat it again in just a moment. Thank you for coming. Today's first scripture lesson comes from Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love with with which he loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in ages to come he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not our own doing. It is the gift of God, not by the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in the way. Thank you, Joy. You read one of my favorite passages and uh, Pastor Maria whispered to me in the first service, is Ephesians your favorite book? Yeah, it is. It, it, it is one of my favorites because it, it talks about the uh, enduring grace of God and how we can respond to that. Now, the gospel lesson is two verses, John 3, 16 and 17. I invite you to stand. We'll see if you are listening to the children's message and we will try to say it together. Now, I like to include verse 17 with 16 because it tells God's first purpose. All right, are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His first purpose is not to condemn, but rather to save. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This Sunday and the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about back to the basics. And today we're going to talk about how to get your heaven into soul. I mean, get your soul into heaven. 
And it's next week, it's getting heaven into your soul. Then after that, we're going to talk about gathering together as the body of Christ, where we stir one another up to love and good works. And then on the fourth Sunday, oh, I'm going to have fun with that one. We're going to talk about the Bible and biblical interpretation, because there's so much narrative out there uh, that uh, you need to know uh, where, you are, where you stand in biblical interpretation. And so uh, I encourage you to come for that. And then after that, we'll take a series of what if Jesus really meant what he said. So I think uh, uh, we'll be back to the basics. Now, it's not uncommon for churches to recast uh, the vision or recast the, the basic tenets of the Christian faith. We've done that many times. And you probably will recognize a good chunk of this sermon as having been used here at Aldersgate at least two other times. And then they say ministers only have one sermon. They just repeat themselves over and over. So uh, I reserve the right to do that. So if you recognize something, that's okay because review is really, really important. If someone came up to you and asked you, how do I get to heaven? Would you know what to say? Oh, let me introduce you to Pastor Maria. She knows how to get to heaven. No, you need to know so that when someone asks you, it'll just roll off of your tongue and you'll be able to share with them some good news. Now, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You just have to have Jesus in your heart and, and practice a few of the words that we can say. So, um, the, yeah, we can do that. Um, there was a, a, a young boy who was walking down the street one day, and he came up uh, uh, to uh, the pastor's yard. He was out mowing, but he shut the mower off when the little boy got near, and the little boy asked the pastor, Pastor, do you know how to get to the post office? And so uh, the, the pastor said, uh, well, let's see, I think you go... Uh, two blocks that way, one block this way, and that should, and another block, you should get you to the post office. And he said, young man, if you'll come to church on Sunday, I will show you how to get to heaven. And the little boy said, pastor, I'm not sure you know how to get to the post office. <laughs> In 1 Peter 3.15, the words are, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. Always be prepared. And so I hope that something that we do in these upcoming weeks will help you be a little bit more prepared when someone does ask you all about it. Now really, it's very simple. There's a few things you, you need to know. The first thing you need to know is that it all starts with God. Okay, it all starts with God. That's the easy part. It doesn't start with you. It starts with God. And the first thing you need to know is God created us good. Would you say that with me? God created us good. Now, John Wesley would uh, interpret Scripture as being a, a, a description of God's grace unfolding over time and that we are born because of God's grace 
We live and move and have our being because of God's grace, and we shall be accompanied home to our heavenly uh, residence by the power of God's grace. So all of life is bathed in God's grace. And so that's the vantage point from which we come. He calls it the scripture way of salvation. And the first thing you need to know is that God created us good. Would you say that? God created us good. Now you remember that because we'll come back to that. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. And we read the story in Genesis 1 and chapter 2. Not so much about how things came to be, but why things came to be. The Bible is an excellent source for understanding why we are here and why God loves us. Okay? So, what it means is that you are worthy. You are worthy. So that when you get up in the morning and you go into the bathroom and you flip on the light and you look in the mirror, whatever you say, you will go, Ah, I love myself. I'm a child of God. I am created good. How many of you do that every morning? Or how many of you go, Oh, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? Now, there's some churches, some denominations that would not have us start here. They would have us start at a very different place. They would have us start by telling you that you are bad, that there isn't an ounce of good in you, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's where the salvation gospel starts. Now, in the Wesleyan tradition, our interpretation of Scripture is that it backs up one more step to the place where God creates us and creates us good. After each day of creation, God sits back and looks at what God creates and God says, it is good. After the sixth day, when God created man and woman, what did God say? It is very good. So there's an emphasis on the very good, which means God don't make no junk. So you can look in the mirror and you can see yourself as God sees you no more and no less because you are a gift of the divine. Now in Genesis it says that we are created in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, we're seeing a little bit of who God is. When you look into the eyes of someone else, you're seeing a little bit of who God is because each of you, including myself, were made in the image of God, which means that if you want to know what God looks like, and you can know what God looks like, get to know as many people from as diverse a background as humanly possible, and then you will begin to get a picture of what God looks like. Something to think about, especially in an age of prejudice and in an age of the narrative that says, I hate some people because they think different than I do. They look different than I do. God doesn't see it that way. And God invites us 
to see others as God sees them, no more, no less. God created us good. God created us good. The second thing you need to know is that it didn't stay that way. It didn't stay that way. We messed it up. Say that with me. We messed it up. Okay, it's good to repeat. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. And if you go back to Genesis, once again, you can see how we messed it up. Chapter 3 tells us all about that. Well, let me illustrate a little bit. I've, we've got some props up here that maybe I can use uh, a bit of. And I, I picked this one out especially because I like it and it's light and I can pull it out and bring it over here and set it before you. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created a garden. And in the midst of that garden was everything beautiful and fit for life to sustain it and to uh, have it prosper. And um, picture yourself as uh, living in the Garden of Eden, which is Sedgwick County. Yeah, okay, uh, you, you know, you can, you can think about it that way. Sedgwick County is the Garden of Eden, and you can have everything you want and, and need in order to sustain your life and be happy and fulfilled in Sedgwick County. But God said, there's just one thing I'd like you to stay away from. You see, in the beginning, when God created human life, God did not want to make us into puppets that uh, have to love God. Hector, you have to love me and you have to enjoy every sermon I preach. <sighs> yeah, there's something about you that, 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 that's just wrong with that picture. Now, is that really uh, what I want to him, for him to have to like the pastor and like every sermon? No. God wants us to love God because we want to love God. And in order for that to happen, there has to be a way for us not to love God. All right? And that helps explain why there is evil in the world. And so in the midst of Sedgwick County, there is one tree that was planted in this Garden of Eden, and it's called the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. And it's a tree that's beautiful. I like that. It's kind of neat. It's been dusted. <laughs> it's been watered. But it has some wonderful fruit in it. Uh, it's a $20 bill, by the way. I'd have used a $100 bill, but I love you. I don't trust you. Now, yeah, oh, you can have anything you want in Sedgwick County. It's good for life and sustains you. And there's one thing you do not need, and that is this one little tree. It's not a very big tree, but it sure has got some neat stuff on it. But if you stay away from that tree, you will live, and you will prosper, and you will go forth and multiply. And Eve said, hmm. How many of you are already thinking what you could do if you had that $20 bill? Uh-huh. See, we're being truthful. This is good. This is good. If I had that $20 bill, here's what I could do. I could buy lunch for myself at McDonald's and the family behind me. And there was a serpent that represented Satan himself. 
that he was a part of the tree slithering and sliding. Saying, Eve, I see that you're looking at this tree. I know God said you will not die, but let me give you another narrative. You will not die, but your eyes will be opened and you will understand and you will see things as they really are. Yes, you will not die. Go ahead. It tastes good. You'll be blessed by that $20. Can you hear the hissing? Until Eve began to believe the first conspiracy theory in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have any of those today. But they did back then, and uh, she was tempted. Uh, well, you know, it's just a little tree. One little bite won't make uh, any difference. You know, if I go five miles over the speed limit, it won't really matter. If I use more than one paper towel when I wash my hands, who's going to know? Um, it's the lure of the forbidden. The lottery ticket at the checkout. The temptation to cheat on your taxes. I could go on. The list could get really long. You could help me with that. Because it's insidious. And it creeps in. And it's sneaky. In fact, John Wesley would say that Eve was swindled by the serpent. And she chose to believe a lie. And so she took of the fruit. And she ate. I didn't do it. The snake made me do it. And the blame game starts. And when Adam took a bite, he goes, it's not my fault. Eve made me do it. And you can hear that reverberate on down through history. And people are sorry because, not because they did wrong, but because they got caught. <laughs> and that's where it becomes insidious. And it becomes so insidious that it infects all of the world so that all of the world is tainted by the stain of sin. The best analogy I have for that is uh, when our daughter Kelly was in second grade in Mrs. Kohlberg's class uh, in Lyons, Kansas. And they were studying the Wizard of Oz. And they were invited to, to bring a parent and, and be like a wizard and show them some, some things or, uh, uh, that are magic, like a wizard would do. And Kelly volunteered her father. And so, I, okay, I could do that. So when it was my day to go, I grabbed the microwave off of the kitchen counter and I took it. It wasn't really big, so I took it and, and, and I took it with me and I grabbed some eggs uh, out of the fridge and I took them along. And I thought, you know, I could blow up an egg in a microwave. How good is that? And so I, I really built this up and I put the microwave in front of the children and I told them what I was going to do and I put that egg in there and I shut the door and they gathered around so they could see and I turned the microwave on high for the, the, the I don't remember how long it takes to blow up an egg but I did then 
And we watched and we waited and the microwave hummed and purred and all of a sudden, boom! It blew up and everybody loved it. Do it again! <laughs> well, I already knew that I had to clean that up before I dared take it back to the kitchen or the missus wouldn't be too happy. But one little second grader said, you know what? If you poke a hole in the end of that egg, it won't blow up. Well, I just happened to have another egg, so I grabbed another egg, and I poked a hole in the end of it, and we put it in the microwave, and put it in for the designated time, and, and everybody, inquiring minds, wanted to know, and it cooked, and it cooked, and it cooked, and the timer went off, and it didn't blow up. And I thought, wow, how good is that? So, when I got home, I cleaned up the microwave. I got it all spick and span because it was a mess on the inside. If you ever blow up an egg at home, you better be ready to clean it up. <clears throat> anyway, after I got it all cleaned up, it was getting close to lunchtime, and I thought, hey, I still got an egg left. Why don't I have a hard-boiled egg for lunch? So I took an egg, and I poked the hole in the end, and I put it in the microwave, and I turned it on for the designated time, and it cooked, and all was well. And I go, lunch, and I opened the door, and just as I opened the door, boom! <laughs> Not only was there egg on my face, on my clothes, but there was egg on the refrigerator, egg on the floor, egg on the ceiling, egg on the counter across the room. I had another mess to clean up. And I thought, this will preach someday. <laughs> it's kind of like the stain of sin. Now, really, it's just a matter of physics. The difference between the classroom and home was I left the door shut in the classroom. At home, I opened the microwave door, which means that as the cold air rushed in, the little hole wasn't big enough for the hot air to escape before kaboom. I've never done that since, <laughs> although I've thought about it. But I thought, you know, that's what it means when he says you've got egg on the face. You've got sin on your life, and there's nothing you can do about it. You have broken God's laws. The Apostle Paul said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, and that's what happens when we take what is never ours in the first place, what belongs to God, and what he gave us everything we needed to, to not have to even think about doing, but we did it anyway, and there's the stain of sin, and all of creation is now tarnished. The Apostle Paul said, is there anything that can help now? Is there any way? And the Apostle Paul said, yes, there is. In the verse after all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, guess what? It says, but the free gift of God is grace through the redemption of Christ. Romans 6.23, when it says the wages of death is sin, the very next verse said, but the good news is the redemption of Jesus Christ. When all is lost, there is a God who sees what we have done and who comes walking in the cool of the garden in the evening and said, where are you, Adam and Eve? 
How come I can't find you? Why are you hiding? You don't need to hide because we know everything. Have you eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And that's when the excuses came. Not my fault. I didn't do it. But you know what? Even though they had to bear the consequences of their sin, and we bear the consequences of people's sin and the sin that is insidious all around us, we have to bear that cost. And they got themselves kicked out of the garden. The first mention of God's grace in the Bible is as they were getting kicked out of the garden, God sewed for them clothes out of the finest animal skins. And he clothed Adam and Eve so that they could stay warm and have what they needed in the cold, brave world. God came to them. And so we find that even though God created us good and we messed it up, there was provided away. It's God's overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. And time and time again, Jesus told stories about, uh, about a, a shepherd who uh, uh, lost a, a lamb, and he left the 99, and he goes and searches until he finds that lamb. Or a woman who loses a coin, and she lights a lamp, and she cleans her house until she finds the coin. Or a father whose sons have become wayward, one who left and squandered the property, one who stayed and expected it all. And the father said, all that is mine is yours, and God's love comes after you. Yeah, no wonder Paul says in Ephesians, but God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with him. Dead in the original Greek in that particular verse means stone cold, laid out flat, no longer breathing, no longer possible to resuscitate. But God reaches out and makes us alive. By God's grace, we are Saved. And so the third thing you need to know is simply Jesus made it right. Would you say that? Jesus made it right. Now let's review this again. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. But Jesus made it right. But Jesus made it right. And we find that one tree which became the beginning of sin in our world and stained the whole world with evil, there is another tree that brought life. And as Jesus stretched out his arms, he said, Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. He even told the thief on the cross next to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It's not you that's bad. You may have made some wrong turns and some poor decisions that have created the mess that you're in, and others may have done some things that caused you problems, and then stuff just happens. But Jesus understands, and he wants you to know that he's coming toward you with his arms outstretched. 
And our grateful response is to pray in Jesus' name, is to say thank you. I want to be one of those that spreads the good news that though I was dying, sinking deep in sin, far from the shore, you reached out and picked me up and set me on firm ground. It's that simple. So, those are the three things I want you to know. And because of this, the grace of God gets your soul into heaven. That's all you need. That's all you need. If you haven't received that in your life today, I invite you to do that before you leave. Life is short. Life is precious. And God wants the best for you, even though we've messed it up. Let's do it one more time. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Jesus made it right. Believe it. Receive it. Live it. Let us sing together of God's amazing grace.
Now we shall respond to hearing God's word proclaimed by speaking to God in prayer. Please find a posture that feels both comfortable and holy and go to God in prayer with me. Loving creator, you gave us grace. When we run, when we hide from you, when we eat the forbidden fruit, you still seek us. You have your arms open, embracing all of us, even the parts we're ashamed of, the pieces we want to hide, the things that we don't speak of. God, you see it all. You embrace our mistakes, our brokenness, the ways we've hurt others and the ways we've hurt ourselves. You do not offer judgment or punishment, but grace and forgiveness. You offer a balm for our wounds. Through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus, we are reconciled back to you, no longer separated by sin and death. We know that neither life nor death, nor angels or demons, nor nothing on earth or in heaven can ever, ever separate us from your love. While we know these truths and we recite them in church and Sunday school, sometimes they're hard to internalize in our daily life. Rejection hurts. Failure hurts, and we feel like it cleaves us away from you. We forget that you made us and said we are very good, and that you love us, including any flaws, including any events in our past, including the ways we harm and have been harmed. Let us remember your love and your grace, especially on days when it's hard. Give us that little nudge, that tap on the shoulder that says, hey, I love you. I created you and I said, you are very good. God, there are specific members of our church community that we lift up in prayer today. We lift up Don McNeely and family in the death of his wife, Mary, this past Tuesday. God, please be with everyone who loved and knew Mary as they mourn. We lift up Bob Hoffman and family after the death of his wife, Marge. God, Please be with everyone who loved and knew Marge as they grieve. We also pray for Maria Klein, Lynn and Mary Blankenship, Dixie Mills, Bonnie Collins, Bonnie Krenning, Dee Dee Schneibly, 
Stephanie Patterson. We pray for Amanda Chestnut's coworker, Jill, and her family. We pray for Sue Bloomer, Jim Sharp, Terry Finger, Mary Brody, Willie Holtgren, and Sally Barchell. Now God, as your children and as siblings in Christ, let us pray the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, if you would please stand in body, mind, or spirit for our closing hymn, Go Make of All Disciples. That's what we'll talk about next week, bringing God's kingdom here. We invite you to come back. And as you go from this place, remember the simple truth. You don't have to remember the whole sermon. You don't have to go to seminary. Just remember that God created you good. We messed it up, but Jesus made it right. So go bear witness to the truth of God's word until everyone is saved. Practice responsible citizenship until everyone is free. Go paint the world beautiful with the brush strokes of your faithful service. And then go work like you don't need the money. Study like you don't need the grades. Dance like no one is watching. And love like you've never been hurt. 
And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your everlasting gift. Amen. Thank you.